whether that's kindness or whether that's intelligence or whether that's beauty and all of these things they're such great qualities I think the issue is not in having them and expressing them and being proud of them I think the issue is in attaching our worthiness to them and our deservingness of love and respect and forgiveness nothing outside of us is making us worthy these are wonderful traits about us but they're not what makes us worth loving Today I'm talking nerdy with Courtney Durr about all things self-worth. In this beautiful conversation, we're diving into why women struggle in their relationships with themselves, the societal messages that lead us to distrust ourselves, and how to begin fostering a more emotionally nurturing relationship with yourself in order to grow your level of self-worth. Courtney Durr is a coach who helps women cultivate a loving relationship with themselves and build a life that feels genuinely fulfilling to them. Over 10 years ago, Courtney started her career in personal training. In working predominantly with women, she got an intimate view into the everyday struggles that many of her clients were silently facing. While they portrayed a confident and happy demeanor, on the inside she saw just how critical they were to themselves. Courtney's passion for self-development and creating a safe space for women to come together grew rapidly, and so she created Worthwild. Worthwild is a business and a community that has helped hundreds of women begin the journey of self-discovery and not feel so alone in the process. Before you dive in, I would love it if you could hit pause and leave us a five-star review and a written review on whatever platform you're listening on. In doing so, you help get this podcast into the ears and brains of more listeners like you. Now let's dive in and start talking nerdy. Welcome to Talk Nerdy to Me, Courtney Durr. I'm so excited to have you on today and to be diving into all things self-worth. For anyone listening out there, Courtney and I met earlier this year in Bali and immediately became really dear friends. And I'm just so enamored by her line of work and the things that she is supporting women in creating in their lives and in their relationship with themselves. So thank you, Courtney, for being willing to come on and talk with me. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's absolutely a privilege to be here and yeah, just to get to see your angel face as well. Unfortunately, the listeners won't get to see my angel face, but just so you all know, it is quite angelic right now. So Courtney, I would love if we could begin just by hearing more about your story and how you got into the line of work that you're in right now, coaching and supporting women and fostering more emotionally nurturing relationships with themselves and your own personal journey with self-worth. Yeah, absolutely. And I just love the way that you phrase that, emotionally nurturing relationships with themselves. Yes. Yeah, so, hey guys, kia ora, kia ora koutou. That means, hello everyone. I'm from Aotearoa, New Zealand, uh, Wellington in particular. And yeah, I am a self-worth coach, taking it back. Basically, I come from a sporting background. So, Right from a young age, I was put into sports. I I played at quite a high level, um, particular sports in New Zealand. And from there, I I just really loved fitness, loved exercise, sports, teams. 
And I just kind of naturally followed that joy and I went into study exercise prescription, not because I wanted to be a personal trainer, not because I wanted to run my own business, nothing like that. I was just like, all I know is what I love. All I know is what my body tells me feels good and I'm going to follow that. And thankfully I had a really supportive really supportive family that kind of allowed me to just follow my flow and so I left school a year early and went to study exercise prescription from there I very naturally kind of just fell into working in a gym the gym here in New Zealand Les Mills I think they have classes all over the world but we have like a physical gym in New Zealand and to be a personal trainer there, you automatically run your own business. You become a sole trader. I remember thinking, who the hell do I think I am? Like, I do not know how to run a business. I don't know what the bloody hell I'm doing. But again, I'm following my joy. I'm, I'm not thinking about 10 steps down the road. I'm just thinking about the next step that feels good to me. And I'll just figure the rest out later. So I really, I'm really grateful for this attitude that I have. And yeah, so I started personal training. I worked with predominantly women. I look back on why I was only working with women. And yes, it was a passion, but I also think that there was a bit of insecurity there as well. Like I definitely deal with imposter syndrome and feeling like I don't know enough or I'm not good enough and so if I'm being really honest I mainly worked with women because I just felt like I don't understand men and I I don't feel like I can train a man and help him build big muscles because I don't really know how to do that myself and so I'm glad that it happened that way because I love 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 working with women now and yeah so I started working with women and when you are a personal trainer, you form a really personal, intimate relationship with your clients. Well, at least I did. I think it is innate in me where I just really, I love people. I care deeply for people and I want anybody that engages with me to feel seen and feel heard and loved and whilst I did experience you know imposter syndrome in the form of ah oh, these all these other personal trainers they're so much older and more experienced and they know this and that and and who, who do I think I am but I knew that I had deep love for people and turns out <laughs> turns out people really really like that really like valued and when they feel valued and heard you form trust and they really let you in and so I formed just such beautiful relationships with my clients through those relationships that I formed I got to really see behind closed doors so these women that would come and work with me they were you know CEOs and mums and they'd traveled the world and they'd done all these incredible things and I just looked at them in such awe and just thought wow these women are powerhouses and then they would share their insecurities and they would share their struggles you know we would go through certain workouts and and yet they would still focus on what they didn't do or oh yeah but they're only half push-ups or yeah but I only progress this much and oh I'm still not able to do that and 
I'm really struggling with this. And for me, it really, one, it broke my heart to see or hear them speak about themselves in this way. It also made me feel not alone. I kind of realized, wow, I'm not the only one having these negative thoughts on replay. And it kind of made me think maybe this whole health and wellness space, and this was about 2014, isn't maybe to be healthy, exercise and nutrition aren't the only things that we should be focusing on. I think there is a whole other realm that is just not being talked about. And definitely at that time, nobody was talking about mental well-being in my um, immediate environments. No one was talking about self-love. No one was talking about the way that we feel about ourselves. And I just felt like that was a huge part that was missing. And so what I decided to do was I wanted to create my own space outside of Les Mills where I was like, okay, well, maybe this isn't happening on a big scale, but maybe I can create like a little space where women just come and they, and we can talk about these things and I can show them that they're not alone and that it's so natural to feel these uncomfortable emotions and feel insecure and and maybe if we came into a space where, you know, those walls could be taken down and we could be vulnerable and honest and, and we could talk about things that were bigger than just how many calories you're eating or what you weigh on the scales. If we could talk about things that were bigger than that, then who knows, like, what could happen from that. And, yeah, so I created, I call them boot camps at the time, which I, I absolutely hated the word, but I was like, oh, people not kind of know what that is. They were focused around mental well-being as well as physical well-being and it just grew. It grew like wildfire and it just showed me women wanted and craved a space where they could come together and not feel like they had to compete with everyone around them. They wanted so deeply to connect, to not feel alone, and to also do something that was, you know, great for their their mental and, and physical well-being. And it grew, and my love and passion for it grew. I vividly remember, you know, running that for about a year, and and it was only like two hours a week. And then I'd go back into Les Mills into my quote unquote normal job, and I'd kind of be like, mm, this isn't it. And it just again, I was like, well, guess I got to follow my joy and. I left Les Mills, the boot camps grew, they grew into not only workouts, but workshops and community events and and then into mentoring. Yeah, and then I realized I don't, I don't want to talk about squats and burpees and fitness and weight. I don't want to talk about that anymore. I just want to talk about how women feel about themselves and I want to bring people together in those spaces and that is what lights me up and and that's kind of where I'm at now. I kind of came into the realm of coaching and focusing on, on mental well-being. What I want to point out in what you just shared is this super common phenomenon and actually characteristic of imposter syndrome. And it's called pluralistic ignorance, which is something that I talked about a little bit in episode three of this podcast with China McCarney. And pluralistic ignorance basically means that we each individually think that we're suffering alone and can't see the fact that other people are struggling with these things too because we're all individually keeping it to ourselves. And the biggest piece of research around overcoming imposter syndrome basically holds that outing ourselves and giving voice to the things that we feel insecure about is the only thing 
that helps us grow in our level of security and start to ultimately dismantle the imposter syndrome. And then hearing from other people that they're going through the same thing, I think is just so potent, especially as it comes to women and the societal programming that we receive. I think it's so interesting and not a coincidence that we're having this conversation today, but I posted on Instagram a few days ago this reel with a caption about how female friendships used to feel really unsafe for me. And that was in part because of experiences that I had earlier on in my life, but also in part because of societal programming. You know, we're taught that women should be competing with each other, that other women are fundamentally unsafe, that we shouldn't trust them with some of these deeper, more vulnerable aspects of ourselves. And Ashley Weller, who was also a guest on this podcast, previously commented and she said, when we get that programming or that messaging about other women, what does that tell us about ourselves? That was just such a mind-blowing comment for me to receive that we're taught that we shouldn't love ourselves, that we shouldn't trust ourselves because we shouldn't love other women. And if we identify as women, then all of those characteristics and qualities that we distrust in them must also be true about us. And something I'm super passionate about right now as well is bringing women together in spaces where they can uplift each other rather than perpetuating this culture of competition and pulling each other apart. So I'm curious how your inner world was changing as you began to facilitate these different environments for women to be vulnerable and start to look at their own mental well-being. Because you've mentioned quite a few times that you were following your joy. You were following your joy. And it's not always going to be joy all the time. So I'm curious if you can speak more to your relationship with not only your own emotional experience during this time, but also your own relationship with self-worth as your personal and professional journey was progressing. Oh, I love all of that, Shia, the pluralistic. Is it? Pluralistic ignorance. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. I'm, I'm learning things even on the podcast. It's amazing. Yeah. So I I feel like kind of going back to my sporting upbringing, I feel incredibly grateful for having that and also having sisters. I have two sisters and a mum that I am really close to. And I mean, that hasn't always been the case, but for most of my life, we have been really close. And for that, I I think of that as an absolute privilege. And my experience in teams and sports teams really helped me. And obviously I was playing alongside other women. So right from early on, my messaging around being in teams was positive. And so I am really grateful for that. I feel like I've taken the learnings from being in sports teams and really taken them into my experience coaching now. And really, yeah, I guess recognizing one, the importance of having a supportive and encouraging coach, because I've had experience of having encouraging coaches and having critical coaches, but then also, yeah, being surrounded by women and working in teams. So yeah, I've definitely taken that into it. 
although my experience with competition I feel came from one I think definitely school where we are taught that there is you know there is a pass or a fail or there are people that get high grades and people that fail and I feel like even in sports where there can be the gold and the silver and the bronze and so it's like in order to win that means someone has to lose and that messaging that definitely gets reiterated in school but for me it was very dominant in romantic relationships and this need to compete against other women to be liked by men I think that that was really really dominant and for me I think my early experiences with first two guys that I properly dated and um, had you know really really hard challenging experiences with them I look back on hindsight and I realize how disconnected I was from myself my attention was on how I was being perceived by men and I was very tuned into what are men talking about what do they find attractive what don't they find attractive and so for me that was messaging around the body working in a gym you are well I I can only speak for myself but I was bombarded with messaging around what a woman should look like and for me my body image struggles came from feeling like I was too too muscly and too masculine and so my attention on how do men perceive me how attractive am am I to men meant that I did things that shrunk my body you know I wanted to be smaller and more petite and more quote-unquote feminine because my attention was focused on what they were saying what they were saying to me but also what they were saying to others and about others and I really took that on and that was one of the ways that I just yeah really like changed myself and and focused on myself and I've realized that when my attention is outside of me so how does my body look am I being quote-unquote too clingy or too needy I need to be more chill I need to be cool I need to be smaller as I kind of grew with the business and got to be in community with these women and hear their stories I started to take my attention inwards and I think that that's what I've learned about self-worth is that it's rather than outsourcing my worth to men I turned my focus inwards and started to actually listen to my body to ask myself what is it that I need what is it that I feel how do I feel in this clothing how do I feel in my body and so it was going from outsourcing my worth to insourcing my worth and realizing that actually no one no man no relationship no job title can take that away from me and I think that I wouldn't I wouldn't have discovered this had I not been in these safe spaces to talk freely and openly and vulnerably I would have taken all of these critical thoughts and I would have just thought that they were fact I would have just thought well this is this is the truth I need to be smaller 
I need to be more low maintenance. I need to do this. I need to compete against that person in order for me to be worthy, but actually being in spaces where it was safe enough to actually say, hey, I'm really struggling with this. So, hey, this is what I was thinking and seeing, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one was really massive and kind of learning more about how to insource my worth as opposed to outsourcing it. That is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing it. I think what you're describing is a really common feature of what it is to be human in 2023. And I think a lot of people, most of us have adopted some messaging and programming at some point along the line that our worthiness of love is conditional and it's dependent on manipulating and molding the image of ourselves that others are seeing to fit what we think they want or to fit what we assume they want. And in doing so, we rob ourselves of the opportunity to actually receive the love, to be fully seen and chosen and accepted for exactly who we are. So it's a really vicious cycle that I think a lot of people get stuck in. It absolutely is. And I think it, the way that we outsource our worth is so different depending on our individual experiences. When I think about why was I so focused on my physical body, on how attractive I was, on what men thought of me, and I think about the messaging that I got early on and for both me, my sisters and my mum were constantly talking about how, oh, you're so beautiful, oh, I love your clothes. And any party, any family Christmas gathering was always about, oh, your girls are so beautiful. Oh, and it was constantly talking about what we looked like and what that, I guess, subconsciously messaged to me was that my worth is in how I look. Whereas I've worked with a lot of different women where maybe, you know, what they were taught in terms of receiving love and praise from those around them was in how intelligent they were and how well they did at school or or maybe it was in their sporting abilities or maybe it was in how kind they were. And so they realized, oh, this is how I get praise. This is how I receive love by you know, stepping into this identity, whether that's kindness or whether that's intelligence or whether that's beauty and all of these things, they're such great qualities. I think the issue is not in having them and expressing them and being proud of them. I think the issue is in attaching our worthiness to them and our deservingness of love and respect and forgiveness. Nothing outside of us is making us worthy. These are wonderful traits about us, but they're not what makes us worth loving. Absolutely. I'm curious where you see having a low level of self-worth or a lack of self-worth influencing the lives of your clients. Because I work primarily with people who are struggling in this realm in, in two different ways, either in their romantic relationships or in their relationship with money or career or something in that vein. You know, the ability to believe that we're worthy of having the job or creating the business or writing the book or 
executing the TED Talk. I have a client right now who's writing her TED Talk, believing that we're worthy of actually being on stage and doing those things or believing that we're worthy of having the quality of relationship that we want. And I'm curious if there are any other realms that you see a low level of self-worth holding your students and your clients back. Yeah, I definitely would agree with you there. It's really interesting, actually. I find that often they are really assertive and confident at work and they, you know, are running these massive meetings and projects and they're using their voice and then they go home to to their partner with their friends and they feel timid and insecure and dependent and and then sometimes it's the other way around where women have you know these beautiful relationships that are thriving and beautiful friendships but then they go into the workplace and they struggle to get their voice heard and I totally hear that and see that tangibly with the two I guess the two spaces and yeah I think with my work I kind of break it down into the different areas of life and I think about my personal life where when it comes to physical well-being and body image where I'm at now I feel very very confident in that area I can walk into any gym any space and I can just move my body I can you know wear crop tops and let roll show and I'm like I've done that work on that part of myself where I'm like if somebody was to talk about a part of my body or uh, how I was moving or anything like that I wouldn't be shaken by that I feel really strong in that area as opposed to when it comes to say with money or work that side of things I am definitely still needing to build confidence in I'm still needing to really step into my worthiness in those places and just know I deserve to be here I deserve to be heard, I deserve to be seen, and I deserve to have space in this area. And friendships, I feel very confident and secure in, and relationships, not so much. And so, yeah, I think that for us all, we have those areas in our life that maybe feel a bit more natural, where we feel more confident and worthy to take up space in, and other areas, perhaps not so much. And what's so beautiful about you know your work and my work is that we can we can change you know and and that if there are areas in our life where we don't feel as confident and or as worthy and one I think it's important to bring awareness and acceptance to that and and no one you're, you're not alone and two that it's so possible to change and that's to me that's what is so exciting I think A really common thing that I hear women say is, you know, this is where I'm at now. This is my A. This is my starting point. And and this is where I want to be. You know, I want to be able to set boundaries and I want to have a beautiful relationship. And I want to actually start that business and do all of these things. But it seems so far away. I've got all of these limiting beliefs to work through. And I just, I don't know how it's possible for me to get there. And for me, that space between who you are and where you want to be for me, that is life. That part, that space is what gives life purpose to me. I get to choose how I view that space and I get to view it as exciting and I get to bring curiosity to it and a sense of joy and meaning to that space. 
rather than it being something that we have to get through because on the other side is happiness, on the other side is when we can start living our life. I don't view it like that. I feel like the space between who I am and where I want to be, I call it purpose. And that's worked for me. (laughs) That's so beautiful. I want to highlight something that you just said. It peaked its head a few times in there, which was being heard and speaking up. And I think that circles back to a lot of what we discussed earlier around being able to give voice to the things that we feel insecure of in ourselves or use our voices in the first place. And I'm curious if you can speak a little bit more to the relationship between self-worth and self-expression. It's interesting because as I'm talking to you and and this is what I'm like with my clients, this is what I'm like on social media is I'm very open with what's happening in my head. And I do that because one, it makes me feel better. Like you said, it's outing. It's when you can out feelings of shame or, or uncomfortable emotions and we can bring them to the light. They don't feel as powerful. So there's that side of things is why I am quite vulnerable. But Two, it's to, again, I love that I'm repeating myself as to help women, uh, or help everybody not feel so alone. But even while I'm talking to you, I notice this filtering that's happening in the back of my mind. It's like, oh, that was stupid. Oh, you're talking too long. Oh, why, you know, why are you saying this? Or why are you saying that? And I think for me, doing this work and getting to know myself and building that relationship with myself, I get to see that part of myself and I get to meet it with love and compassion. I get to say to myself, it's okay that you're feeling nervous courts. It's okay that you feel insecure. It's okay that you don't feel like you're ready or good enough. We can still do the things, even though that voice, those emotions are there. Like we're all in this together. And that's how I feel with myself. I call it like the committee of courts. You know, there's there is there is critical cause and she is an absolute bitch she is so mean sure should I say bully I don't know bitch bully whatever you would call her she is mean and she is focused on everything that I'm not doing and every little thing I've wrong said or haven't said or the grammar that I'm using she's mean and then there is the joyful courts and she is the ray of sunshine she is always looking at what went well and what is there to be grateful for and and then there is ego courts and egotistical courts cocky courts however you want to call it she is very much concerned with how she looks and how she's being perceived there's fearful courts there's comedy courts there is a committee of courts and for me building and strengthening the relationship with myself means that all of it can be there and I can still enjoy my life I can still take steps forward towards my goals towards my dreams I can have the doubt and still move forward so I think yeah for me self-worth and and building that relationship with yourself is so interconnected absolutely it reminds me a lot of you know in the work that I do which historically has been centered around anxiety and the fear response it's like fear is not an inherently wrong or bad thing. It just becomes problematic when we let it get in the way of taking action. And when we make 
our ability to take action dependent on the elimination of fear in the first place or the elimination of all of these different facets of ourselves. And so I think giving voice to all of the different things that are going on in your head and making yourself vulnerable in that way of just sharing, like, this is what's going on in here right now. It's such an act of courage. And it's also opening yourself up so much to truly be seen and truly be heard for who you are and what's going on on the inside. To kind of speak on that, I think that when we allow ourselves to be heard, when we hear ourselves, when we listen to ourselves, when we are compassionate with ourselves, that's going to ooze out of us. That is what we are going to receive from others. You know, I feel like we want so desperately to be heard and respected in our relationships, in the workplace. We want to be loved and valued. And it's really looking at how can we show ourselves that as well, you know? And so this practice of loving those parts of myself this practice of hearing myself and validating myself is teaching me how I want to be treated so that I can then receive that and ask for that from others I think that's that is really huge and what we want outside of ourselves how can we give it to ourselves as well not first not second but how can we give it to ourselves as well I love that. When you are guiding other women in fostering a greater level of self-worth, what begins to change in their lives? Are there any external changes that they see or is it more of this, to use your words, unshakable inward feeling of like, I can show up in any environment, in any context in whatever state I happen to be in and know that I'll be okay and resilient. I feel that the work that I do with my clients can be reflected both externally and internally. It is doing the work on yourself, working on that relationship with yourself will naturally reflect outwards into tangible things, into your reality. I think just recognizing how much power we have over our lives is probably the biggest thing. It's really, I feel like this sounds cliche, but I'm going to say it anyway, but reclaiming that power. And I really mean like reclaiming it because often we outsource how we're feeling to things outside of us. And whether that's a partner or the weather or a job or what somebody said we say oh you know this person made me feel like this or this person did this or I can't run a business because of money or because of the state of you know the economy or whatever it is and it's putting this ownership into that outside of ourselves and it is giving our power away if you kind of small scale it down into like a relationship of he doesn't make me feel valued and it's because he's done this that I feel like this and it's like here have the key to how I'm feeling have the key to my power to change have it and what this work that I do with my clients is is how can we take ownership back how can we put ourselves into the driver's seat so we can change how our life looks I really want to reiterate that, well not reiterate, I really want to say that the 
external factors in your life, how your partner treats you, the state of the world, the weather, what's going on in the workplace definitely has an influence on how you feel and what's possible. I do not want to discredit that, but I think that what we do is we give all of that ownership to change to that outside of ourselves. So when we start to you know, look inwards, when we start to look at our belief systems, how we're speaking to ourselves, how we are treating ourselves, how we're talking to ourselves, when we start to look inwards, we can realize that actually we have a lot more autonomy over ourselves and how we feel in life. And so, for example, I have one client and I've been working with her for quite a while and we have done a lot of work on the way that she feels about herself, the beliefs that she holds about herself, her willingness to be seen. We've done a lot of work around her willingness to feel uncomfortable emotions and through that process when we're looking at what thoughts are you thinking about yourself and how do you feel and what does those feelings cause you to take what actions does it cause you to take it's all of this like talking and journaling and feeling and it feels like nothing outside is changing and then slowly but surely she starts to set a boundary here she starts to reach out to somebody to have an interview for a podcast that is a huge dream of hers she starts to look at other jobs so the actions that she's taking is starting to change their external reality but it starts inwards it starts with her thoughts it starts with her feelings and then it reflects outwards so I think that rather than going into the tangible we have to start inwards first but it will for sure reflect in your reality along the way yeah there's this author, her name is Carolyn Elliott, and she wrote this very confronting but also amazing book called Existential Kink. And one of the things she says in that book is that if you want to know what your current belief systems are, take a look at your life right now, because we will construct an environment that is a reflection of the way that we feel about ourselves and the way that we feel about the world and the way that we feel about relationships and changing our beliefs is an integral part of changing anything that's happening externally. I've said this so many times on the podcast before, but more than anything else, our brains really, really like to be right. And so you will subconsciously and unconsciously act in ways that perpetuate the things that we believe about ourselves to be true. So if those beliefs are I am unworthy of love or I'm not worthy of a raise or I'm not worthy of making more money or having this relationship or, you know, whatever it may be, we will act in ways that subconsciously and unconsciously self-sabotage and keep us exactly where we are. So I think there is a component of the inner work and then also the outer work to take the uncomfortable, uncomfortable action. You mentioned talking and journaling, and I'm curious if there are any other tangible or practical action steps that listeners can begin to take to start upping their level of self-worth. Where should they begin? 
when you look at a relationship, a loving, healthy relationship, just looking at what is involved with that, trust, communication, quality time, affection, these traits that we love to receive and have in a partnership, how can we show that to ourselves? For me, when I think about what I like in a partner, it is definitely quality time. I love to have quality time. So how can I show that to myself? How can I give that to myself? And that would look like, again, like it might sound a bit cliche, but it it looks like taking myself on a date. And that means uninterrupted. What can I do with just myself? And I love to romanticize it. Maybe it's the maybe it's the Pisces in me, but I'm a big old romantic and I love to even like take a take myself out on a picnic. And so it's, you know, okay, what do I what do I love? I love the ocean. I love food. I love sunsets. I love reading. So how can I create this beautiful date for myself? You know, I'm being thoughtful. That's what I would want in a relationship. I'm being thoughtful towards myself. Okay, so I'm going to pick a picnic. I've done this so many times and a, a picnic blanket and a picnic basket and my journal and I go to one of my favorite places, which there's many in New Zealand um, and many in um, my home. And I just be with myself. That is just a small way but it's about really signaling to myself that I love spending time with you I want to be with you I want to hear how you're doing I want to spend time I want to experience joy with you so that's one of the ways that I would do that another form of quality time well actually not even just quality time even going to a different form of like what I would look for in a relationship I would want to be heard you know, when you're in a relationship with someone, you want to feel validated. You want to feel like they're listening. And in order for me to truly hear myself, I have to tune out to the noise outside of me. And I have to do that regularly. So for me personally, it's meditation, but we could just call that stillness. So how can we turn off the noise to the outside world, whether that's the noise of your family or social media or podcasts or music and how can we just be still with ourselves to actually hear what our body is telling us what our mind is telling us and you know if you're in a relationship with somebody whether that's a friendship or you know a partner or whatever it is you're in a relationship with them and Maybe you haven't listened to them in a while and they're feeling really frustrated and they've got a lot on their mind. It's going to be uncomfortable when you first listen because they're like, but it's just like they just want to be heard and validated. And that's going to probably happen, you know, when you go to be with yourself in stillness and meditation or walking in nature, however you choose to do it, you will find that your mind will be louder and it will be more uncomfortable. But you you care for yourself and you want to show love to yourself and so you're willing to be with that discomfort and to to hear the racing thoughts and to not make that mean that anything's wrong but you are just saying to yourself I care enough to listen I'm here for you what are you saying those two stillness and quality time is really important 
and don't want to overwhelm your guests. So maybe, maybe one more is, I guess, respect. That's what you'd want in a relationship with others. You would want to respect. And so thinking about how can I respect myself today? And that might be taking a day off work. That might be moving your body. That might be getting back to, you know, the the emails that is creating a heavy burden on your shoulders. That might be nourishing your body. How can I respect myself? What is one action that I can show to really respect myself? And yeah, that's not always going to be fun and joyful. Sometimes it is going to be the thing that you don't want to do. But again, it's saying to yourself, to your body, you are worthy of being treated with respect. I mean, I, I could go on forever, but I won't. <laughs> Talk nerdy to me homework. Take yourself on a date, preferably a picnic. <laughs> I'm definitely going to do that. As soon as you were saying it, I was like, I want to take myself on a picnic. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, Courtney, for sharing that with listeners and With me, I feel like I definitely, definitely got a lot out of this conversation, and I know that they will too. If somebody wanted to learn more from you, you are now in podcast land. So do you want to share a little bit more about the Worthwhile podcast? Oh, thank you so much. Yes. So the Worthwhile podcast came out today, and guys, I this has been a long time coming, but I just love that this is one of the examples of how doing the the work on yourself, building that relationship with yourself can turn into these tangible external things. It's not just one day I was like, okay, I'm going to start a podcast, boom, done. There were so many thoughts and limiting beliefs and excuses and critical chords she was she was on her microphone every day you can't do this who are you to start a podcast you'll never be consistent and so I really had to take that time to work through those thoughts and to really really show myself and tell myself that my voice matters and I have something that is worth offering and so the podcast was born from just a deep desire to to share and to help women not feel so alone I want to use this podcast as a way of sharing my experiences my honest vulnerable fearful thoughts I want to share them I want to share information around self-development and self-love in a way that feels attainable and not overwhelming there's so many different things that we're being told like do this and don't do this and try this and try this and and I just want to create a space where it feels a little more attainable to show yourself that you matter, that you're loved, that you're valued. And yeah, the podcast is really just an extension of of my work and a chance for me to have a yarn because I love to have a yarn. I love to talk. I love to share. And yeah, that's, that's, that's me in a nutshell. 
Congratulations. And where else can listeners learn more about you or from you? Yeah. So right now, the really the only other place is my Instagram. I am very consistent on there. I yeah share all things that we've been talking about on this episode. So my Instagram is at withwild.co. Both of those links are going to be in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on today, Courtney. Do you have anything else coming up, any offerings, if someone wanted to work more directly with you? You're so lovely. Yes, I have a group coaching program called Lighthouse, and the next round isn't until January, but I'll be opening up spaces to enroll into this group coaching experience. Basically, it is three months of group coaching, bringing women together and helping them build a healthy, strong, loving relationship with themselves. So we will explore different modules from limiting beliefs to values to habits and identity and higher self and purpose. It's intense for sure, but it's it doesn't feel as scary or overwhelming because you're doing it, one, with a structured approach, two, with a, a loving and caring coach, and three, in an environment where you know you're not alone and you're, you're along the road with some other epic, like-minded women. All the information will be on my Instagram. Amazing. Courtney, are there any final words of wisdom you want to share with listeners before we close this conversation? What I will say is focus on on 1%. Focus on one step. I think that when we look at, quote-unquote, how far we have to go, when we look at what we're not enough of or what somebody else has or all of the things that we need to do and try and learn it it can feel overwhelming to the point where we just shut down and do nothing and so I want to encourage you to just focus on one small action what is one thing that you can do to show love to yourself not to love yourself but to show love to yourself what is one small thing and that's all you need to focus on yeah, for me, I have tended to think that, well, that's not going to do anything. That's that's nothing. It's not going to make a difference. But slowly but surely, all of those small, consistent steps that you take back towards yourself make a huge, huge difference. So, yeah, what is one one thing that you can do today to show love to yourself? I love it. Thank you so much for sharing and coming on and talking nerdy to me. So, so welcome. It is such an honor. And yeah, thanks for listening, guys. (laughs) If you loved this episode, help us get it into the ears and brains of more listeners like you by sharing it on social media. When you share on Instagram, make sure you tag me at Alex underscore Nashton. Instagram is also the best place to send me your questions about the episode material and make requests for future topics and guests. New episodes of Talk Nerdy to Me drop every single Wednesday. When you hit subscribe, you'll be notified of new releases so you never have to miss one. 
Last but not least, this podcast baby would not be possible without Adam Russell. Adam, I am so grateful to have had your support in creating this podcast. Thank you for always being willing to talk nerdy to me.